0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight
1: to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Beth Promner. What we focused on this episode, which I think you're gonna absolutely love, is talking about turning vacant properties, vacant commercial properties into residential units. And we talked a lot about what we really got into specifically is what type of properties to you even look for? What are the characteristics? What's that criteria of the type of buildings and the type of areas that you should be focused on? And she gave so many great specific tips to get there.
2: And here are the reasons why we're talking about conversions, right? With COVID, we have lots of empty office spaces so that's a problem for the city that's a problem for the landlords and we can see that's clearly a problem for the people that can't find rentals so it's all around a great opportunity and the more that inflation goes up the interest rate goes up more opportunity we have according to bath so she break that down for us wow you can't miss this one enjoy it before we get into Bat's episode, let's hear a word from our sponsors.
3: Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe,
4: smart, secure. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
1: Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. We do that twice a week, and we love what we do. Right, Andressa? Yes, indeed. So we have Beth uh, Kromner here today. We're really excited to have you on here today talking about really just taking what's vacant, non-producing assets to making them in their highest and best use, right? So excited to jump into that topic with you. And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and being here with us and our audience.
0: I am super
1: delighted Thank you. Great. Awesome. So we're going to jump into Beth and our topic here in a moment. But as we always like to do, we like to get connected to all of you, share something that we've been learning or experiencing, right, Andressa, on a mm-hmm. moment-to-moment daily basis along with you on this journey. So I'm up this week to share something very quick with you. So I led, I had the the pleasure of leading a uh, mastermind session uh, recently with our Investor EXP team. For those who don't know, we do have an EXV team in Oregon. They're an amazing group of women who are, are agents who are looking to not just build and help other investors and, and 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 their clients. More importantly, they're about building their own wealth, right? And that's that's what's unique to, to our team. As they grow their agent portfolio, they're also growing their own portfolio. So what's cool about what we did on this mastermind is I was talking about uh, raising private money, which is a topic near and dear to me. But what was really cool is I was giving uh, a few different options, right? Because we've really raised money. Uh, I've shared this before, and and how we really scaled our our, our portfolio. Me and my husband um, on the lending side, yes, on the debt side, of course, but also more on the equity side, where we really partnered uh, on small scale, two single family homes to, you know, to to hundreds and hundreds of of units, right? So as I was sharing something about equity, one of the women on our team kind of you know jumped in and she's like, I never thought about how I can actually partner with um, you know, the investor that I've been sourcing. Cause all she's been doing is working with this one particular investor and sourcing deals. And, and she's been getting commission, but she's like, I never thought about even the opportunity where I can, you know, really talk to to, to him, so him and really think about how do we create a win-win here where maybe we really do even more together and I get a piece of the equity in addition to the commission. So I never thought about that. And so I wanted to share that. I just thought that was, you know, things that we take for granted as we talk about positioning and how to structure deals. Um, there's so many things you could ask for. There's so many things to to the world is your oyster, as I like to say. As long mm-hmm. as it's legal, of course. I don't want to encourage <laughs> you to it's do legal. But my point in saying that is, you know, for the agents listening, um, there yeah, obviously you have to be, you know, mindful of the agreement that you you've signed. And being a real estate agent, you have to make sure you're following all the rules. And I'm not an agent, so I can't tell you all the rules. But what I can say is that, you know, being a partner and being um, involved in projects on a deeper level than commission is how you're going to build your wealth. Bottom line, I know that much. So, so the thought process is to think about what you bring to the table, and really to make sure you're you're aligning with the right—not all of your clients, but but what an opportunity if you start to think about who you're working with, how you partner, in addition to being an agent, and obviously following what you need to follow. Um, just neat to see her the light bulb go on for her and and it's neat to kind of start to see you know what happens from that right so i just want to share that for them let you a question, Liz. Yeah. do you think that the the investor
2: thought about it oh i don't know i i probably not i think yes yeah <laughs> every single investor thought about it and and came to a conclusion of i hope they don't think about it Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Let me just, let me just keep the realtors doing their quote unquote, their job feeding me and we're all happy family, Yeah, But we are waking up all the realtors. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Because they are so important. They are bringing the leads. Many times those are off market deals. deals, Yeah. They add a lot of value. Yeah. Right. They add a lot of value. And, and you can think about it. Who have the upper hand, really? Correct. If they are not sourcing their own deals, investors not sourcing their own deals. And of course, I'm not saying that, OK, you're just going to offer a, a, a equity partnership in the first person that you did business with. Of course. But you have yet. been doing business with somebody for years. You know their values. You align with their values. You have helped this person to grow their own portfolio. Now yeah. it's time to take the relationship to another level. And I encourage all the, the women that are listening here that have built other people's you know, portfolio to start having those conversations now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're worth so much and, and, and you are worth so much. You have so much to give. If you haven't heard that, we're telling you that. You have so much to give. I don't care who you are. And just talking, knowing the women in our community, what women stand for, gives so much to give. So uh, with that, and, and it's just a pleasure to see these women on our our, our investor uh, EXP team, right? Grow and thrive. It's it's really neat. So yeah. if what's not working for you in your own brokerage, come join us, come play with us, come grow your wealth. Really, really, really important to me and Andressa. We're yeah. very, very committed to that. So Beth, thank you so much again for being on our show. Uh, here's how we want to kick it off. What lesson has
0: taken you the longest? to learn. Well I think the lesson that has taken me the longest to learn is a bit of what what you were just talking about, is that oftentimes when I've invested in real estate and made choices. I kind of deferred to other people, like it could be a business partner or a guy, commercial real estate, or some financial advisor, and I'd listen really carefully, which there's nothing wrong with getting information listening, but I would discredit my own point of view to say, I didn't know. And finally at a certain point, I I turned around and I'm like, "How, how come I don't know? I do know. Mm-hmm. I have invested. And I am smart. I, I can see market trends. And it, it took me quite a bit of time to say that all these other guys, they they, they don't have a corner on <laughs> great ideas and good investments. And I know I turned the corner when our uh, financial advisor told me, he's like, yeah, you know how to do this better than I do. So take <laughs> your money out of the stock market and put it in real estate. You <laughs> know how to do it. <laughs> great. So
2: yeah. what a humble person. <laughs> <He> Things that <laughs> right? Yeah. I think that I think as we we grow smarter and uh, we gain experience, we start listening less to the voice in our head and pay more attention to our gut and owning who we are um and then i think that we're just living the life that we we're meant to live right really and in, in in abundance truly but said- starts with us right starts yeah starts with us i'm very excited about this topic because you know there there's market trends but i don't think anybody could prevent uh what we had to go through during COVID, right and the shift in the mm-hmm the mindset, the behavior, the assets, people working from home um, and and the changes that companies had to make. A couple of companies realized, oh great, it actually works. Others said, uh, no, we're going to go back to the office. But the bottom line is that it opened up also an opportunity from one side, right? Some landlords that have commercial properties, Um, really got hurt certain some certain uh, assets because they were empty so that's what we're talking about now how can we look at those empty spaces that companies certain companies certain clients don't want that anymore and I really liked your approach and we never talked about it in our podcast so let's start let's let's break it down uh, Beth. so aren't there preferences into where investors, what type of off spaces or empty spaces, right? Because I'm not going to, I'm not going to generalize into office, right? Like a commercial building. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the the sweet spots and what are the ones that you would recommend to stay away?
0: Sure. So I think that's the um, essential question because we can hear And I hear all the time about how office or empty commercial space conversion is too prohibitive. And yes, that is the case in some instances. So let me start with saying what does not generally work well in a conversion. And it's not that it can't happen, it's that we're all about the return on investment is super strong and effective. So what is not a good conversion is a massive office space, high rise, really big um, in our inner cities. Those don't work very well. What does work is all of the empty commercial office space and retail space that are in our smaller downtowns or in the, um, some of our downtowns and towns in big cities. So what we're looking for is a footprint that's not massive. Why is this important for um, a, a conversion? It's because in a residential unit, we need to have windows, we need to have doors, and we need to have light. Those are laws. And so if... Um, You have an office space that's super deep, it's going to be incredibly difficult to get a window light indoors. But every single uh, office space that has a relatively smaller footprint is going to be excellent for a conversion. The other great thing about commercial real estate is that uh, the codes are higher than residential and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. People might say residential right. and code uh, should be much higher, but it isn't. The reason why I commercial is more rigorous is because people are coming in and out of it all of the time. Mm. So what we're really looking for is an ability to put windows and doors into a residential unit. So not huge. Uh, one conversion that we're working on right now has a... Um, we can put about ten units in into the bottom level, and super easy to do. It's it's and I say easy. We're just put in um, walls and bathrooms and kitchens, but it's not impossible.
2: Is there also a sweet spot in terms? You said ten units, right? Is there a sweet spot in terms of ratio of bedrooms and baths?
0: No, there's there really isn't. Um, oftentimes when we're, I'm doing this work with people, well, we, we're looking at what is the rental market, what's the demand. And if there's huge demand for a two-bedroom, then and we're going to get a big differentiation in that, then we can configure it that way. But what the sweet spot is right now is a lot of people who might be working from home or working from home sometimes And so what they love to have is a one bedroom, plus a really nice place to work. And because we're doing this in real time and how people are living in their apartments uh, has changed changed dramatically. We have the ability to say, here's a nice one bedroom, great office space, in a downtown where people can work at home, perhaps go to an office part-time if they want to or need to. But they're in downtown with their own office. It's the shortest commute. Question in terms of
1: like you know, because I think I think this is such an important topic for so many reasons. Especially as we record this, uh, one of the biggest challenges usually it's I can't find money. I can't find deals. Like right, those are can, those are the two biggest issues for people as investors, right? And so right now, uh, you know. Yes, there's always opportunity for money, but 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 deals. A lot of women are are, are not penciling out on their their properties, right? They're they're finding deals are just not working, um, you know, and, and 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 for a lot of different reasons. So finding different ways to get into projects like this is critical, and and I'll say that too, right, and to to people. So I'm an investor, and I now um, want to get into converting. I'm taking your advice. I'm not going into a massive office space. I'm going to go to like. Is this like a medium sort of sized city? Like, give us some examples. Like, good cities to look at. Type of size. Is it more size? Is it demographic? Is it all of those things? Just curious to kind of get more into the nitty gritty of the market itself, because then we can look at the building and then say, okay, this is an opportunity. And I think that's what I want women to walk away with today, right? To say, sure,
0: okay, this, this, and this, and this. Boom. Now I can start looking. Right. So it's not necessarily the type of city, it's the part of the city. So if you're in a very large city like Chicago, New York, San Francisco, there's usually a commercial place downtown that there's massive high rises. Then exogenous are a little bit outside of that, might be on places that were already at mixed use, which means the top was residential, bottom was commercial. Those are my absolute favorite because the top has already been configured to be residential, so it's the right size. I have yet to find a city that doesn't have uh, mixed use uh, and whatnot. And there's two things that have happened, office space, right, the demand is completely not there anymore. But retail has diminished as well. A lot of cities said, you can only have residential on the top floor, you have to have commercial on the bottom floor. That is changing dramatically right now because there's no usage of the bottom floor for offices and oftentimes retail. What's fascinating about this space, which I love, is that uh, we have tons of empty commercial space, office space. It's been vacant. There's no prospects of it becoming um, occupied. It is a distressed asset. Many, Many of these people cannot rent, they cannot sell it as is. So we have on one side, the seller or the owner of the property has a diminished value and we come in or we advise people or we help people purchase knowing full well we're going to convert it into residence, which is much higher value. And that's what I love about this is that the seller is thinking about it in one way and the buyer is a completely different way, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: It does. It does When you're selling, right, if you have an asset over there that it's empty, not producing, <laughs> you have a problem. You have a you have a big problem uh, in your hand. I remember, you know, converting. Oh gosh, my first conversion. How fun was that? I I told, you probably guys heard this before, but it was a uh, it was a commercial at the bottom in 1950s was a candy store and two apartments on top. So the goal was basically cover the bottom, right? The, the the area was all residential. The, the triplex was distressed. I can't tell you. I think that if the community had eggs and tomatoes, they would, would have thrown that in my face, right? But when I was going through that, right? Because they hate it. And I was like, what part are you hating it? I don't understand. So you want a commercial? No, we don't want commercial. All right, so I'm trying to convert this into a, two-bedroom? Uh, no, there's a lot of construction. Okay, so do you want it to be distressed as it is? No, we don't want it because the windows are falling on us. Right, so I, I, you don't want change, I guess, right? So the reason why I'm sharing this is because I would have done everything all over again if I knew the return on the investment that was about to happen to me. When I was going through it, and all the hurdles, all the zoning with attorneys, and when I was going through that, I was like, what a freaking nightmare. I want to just sell this. I want to sell it. I want to look at it. The The neighbors are angry or whatever that is. I'm trying to help the, the neighborhood to get better. And they feel that I am, you know, attacking it or whatever. I don't, I did not have the skill set and the vision that I have today. And I think that that it is so important i will have done that a million times with with what i know now and i think this episode is so so important because there is a huge opportunity out there there's a huge opportunity out there and for all the ladies that are listening that that can't find opportunities now i'll challenge you after listening to beth to start looking at, at the, your market with different eyes so beth I want to be realistic with people, right? Because they are going to have to untie knots and I love untie knots because that's cause opportunity. When, what would be the first step? Is it to, to understand the zoning first to get familiar with that? What would you say besides, okay, I
0: found this property over here. What is my next step? Sure. Sure. So the first the first step is to find the property, which is not difficult right now. The, these sure. are in abundance. And um, the next step is to really look at it, as I had said, about how easy is it going to be to convert. And then what you spoke about, the third thing is up to this point, municipalities and cities and counties have done everything in their power to block change, right? They don't want to change zoning. And um, oftentimes they still have on the books that you cannot have residential or ground level in a downtown. This could be their zoning. I would never stop there. Before I purchased a, a, a property, I would go visit the city and say, your downtown is completely vacant. You have a huge housing crisis. We think- need more rental. I want to put residential housing in this bottom level. And by the way, I will probably put in an at market or under market value. Um, and we, I have seen cities capitulate, just like fall over and say, yes, we will allow this because they have a huge problem They have vacancies left and right downtown, and this is a terrible thing. And um, so the third thing I do before I even contemplate purchasing is get a test of the town. Just some towns will be like, I'm going to fight this till my last breath. In other towns, they um they just hug you <laughs> and say, they you. a You either going to be a favor or, or, yeah, it's like a demon, one or another. Yeah. So I absolutely love challenges, but I also prefer challenges that I, I can assess and win. And I, what I love is going into a place where it, it appears that they city or the town won't let you do something, but you found out they will, and then purchase under those. Circumstances,
1: love that. I, I I I want to piggyback on that because we have a lot of our. Um, it's interesting. The last couple of weeks, we had a few of our, our our Strive members ask the exact question of, you know, how do I approach the zoning officer? Um, I met the mayor of X town, and I really want to talk with them. And you know, we all know at the end of the day, building rapport with these folks and and seeking to understand and solving their problems is honestly the first thing and then positioning our projects to solve mm-hmm. their problems is what we need to do so i'm really curious because i i bet you could fi- you can give us some insight into like you know not just questions to ask but i, I love the idea of like you're saying like you know what are their challenges i mean ha- to be able to offer market rate rentals in their downtown with just vacant property that can't be a good thing for their tax base and it can't certainly be a good thing for, you know, just the, their, their growth. Are there other, you know, um, questions to ask, ways to build rapport, ways to kind of get a sense very quickly, is this a town I want to do business in or not? Because they're not, all towns are not created equal. And you're right. we can, I mean, I know certain towns we've invested in that it's more, they should be hugging us and instead of they're putting challenges in front of us. And so it makes us not want to do anything else there. So any other characteristics of these zoning officers or these folks you're meeting with or questions to ask that very quickly, before you get down the road, you'll assess like your criteria, like, eh, not gonna work here. Any any other ways for yeah. to, to that to like not waste women's time?
0: Yeah. One of the first things is to read the local newspaper and find out what um, what everybody is talking about and what you're hearing. I happen to live in California. California, um, we can you can say a lot of things about it, but the state is absolutely mandating the municipalities stop blocking uh, residential in either commercial spaces or even with the ADUs, accessory dwelling units. So we have a different thing going on in California, which makes this a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But it still can be incredibly hard. You do not want to be the person owning a piece of property suing the city. <laughs> it's not. I, so, I just don't so want to that. Yeah. So if you go back and look at the news and what's been printed, and if the city has or the municipality has taken a stance where they're going to litigation, uh, that's a really good sign that you do not want to be there. The secondary thing is I will spend, it doesn't take forever, but I will spend time to go to or visit with the head of planning and zoning of that entity. I will just talk to him or her. I will simply have a conversation. Nobody does that. And yeah. um, and I have had people come up to me that or say, whatever you want, I'm going to help you do this. They're not doing that because uh, they want uh, me or the people that I work with to make a lot of money. It's that exactly what you said. I understand but what their problems are. I'm helping them solve it. And I see them as a human being in relationship, not some person that's going to block something. It's they need that, it's golden. And then, uh, and sure, there have been times that we have spoken to mayors. Because they're talking about how they want housing. They want their downtowns to be revitalized. This is a tragedy, what's happening. And it's only going to get worse because all of these vacant properties, are, I mean, people just can't, they cannot keep them vacant. Yeah. So uh, nine times out of 10, 100% know which municipality is going to support this well before the deal is struck
3: brake kits led lights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply see ebaymotors.com love
2: that now let's talk about a little bit of uh construction right um One of your recommendations is when you're evaluating it to look at if there were upgrades for the past 50 years, share with us why it, why is the case and how you can get in a really like a deep hole here with construction. If you're looking to make a conversion, um, that it hasn't been, the building hasn't been touched for more than a century. So let's, let's talk about construction. Uh, in terms of conversions, why why within the fifty-year mark?
0: Yeah, so I as I had alluded to, I have the privilege of living in California, and um, one of the things that we have are the, the toughest building codes in the United States. So building code requirements are um, something that we I pay a lot of t- attention to. If a building has been upgraded within the last 10, 15 years, they will most likely have had to bring up the entire structure to life safety code at that time. So here in California, we have seismic or earthquake requirements. And so um, Mm. we want, if we have a 100-year-old building, they did a massive upgrade uh, rehab within the 10, 15 years, they're going to have brought it up to the code at that point it's generally when you touch anything, it, you you just have to bring it up. So I like that piece. I like you know, looking at buildings that aren't um, as beautiful as they could be. 100-year-old building brings a lot of issues. Uh, but I like 25-year-old buildings or buildings that have been rehab. One project I'm working on right now started off. Um, as a retail space. It went to a restaurant, the bottom half. It went to law firm offices, and now we're converting it to um, residential single family um, housing. And I love that because in the last 10 to 15 years, they brought everything up to code. Now um, all we're going to be doing is put it non-load bearing um, walls. If we're not going to touch anything. Uh, we design so that we absolutely do not cause more work for us. So I love
2: that. I love that too. Speaking my love language. In terms of, of, of financing, it's a little tricky. And correct me if I'm wrong on that, because uh, certain lenders, right? Even though the goal is to to have all residential income they they have it's a different type of loan where it's mixed use so how they go about it in my experience what we did is that we had an agreement that was the conversion was completed that's when we would close so all the 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 stars aligned and then our lender landed on on the, the uh, not the assumption, but the the numbers based on pre residential. I want to get your experience on that because a lot of women are are listening, saying, "Okay, how about the how how would I get the funding considering that the bottom lot, the bottom or the entire building is vacant, not producing?"
0: Yeah, so I think what you're saying is how to get financing or lending based on this type of um, of idea. So my experience has been if we're working with a vacant building in which it has not been rented and is not rented right now, um, commercial is always going to be looking at your cash flow. So um, I happen to work in areas where housing demand is incredibly high. The um, rental will be much, much more attractive if it is converted to um, an apartment or residential. And uh, the lenders do like this in this area. I can't speak up for every area, but um, we have fairly significant issues that are going on because people have had long-term leases for office or or retail, right? During the pandemic, they were either paying some of it or partial of it. Those leases are coming up. The uh, the tsunami of crises in empty office spaces is yet to happen. We are at the start of it. We are not at the apex of it because uh, Employers are not going to renew the same type of office space as they have before because there's either the hybrid and people working part-time in an office or not at all. Owners have vacant property. They're not going to re rent it. It's not going to happen as is. And everybody wants a different solution. So if we get the property well under market value because it's empty and vacant as an office space. We buy it at that price point. We can get financing, hopefully, by arguing about what the value will be. We convert not incredibly expensive quickly, then soon, very, very soon, it will be fully occupied and then perhaps refinance And that, at that basis. So that's you know I can't advise advisor for how to make the yeah. deal, but um, that that's the way I look at this. And I think that uh, we're the very beginning stages of this. I think people will catch on, but right now there's zero competition for purchasing the most ideal empty commercial space to convert. Zero. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that. And you said something really powerful. I just want to make a mention to because I just recorded, uh, we just recorded a mini-sode about supply and demand. You said when the housing demand is high, right? So you have to find markets. It seems so obvious, okay. um, but there's a, there's a mix, right? You're mixing where the housing demand is so high, and there's just not enough of housing for people to live you know where they want to live and how they want to live. That's the markets we need to be going after, and that have these vacant properties. You find a market could, that could find, you know, those two those two pieces. Um, you're probably going to find some great opportunities. And so, I think we overcomplicate. I think that might be obvious, but I want to just say it because there is a supply and demand piece to all of this. Where other markets we're going into, and I can say this in the South, the supply is so high, right? The supply is so high that that that. Properties and and units are sitting vacant. That's the market. So there's, there's there's again, I'm not an expert on supply and demand, but you want to be mindful of what's happening and what the demand is. When the housing demand is so high and people just can't find an apartment to live in, that's like light bulb. You know, yeah. how can I solve that problem? And I think as investors, we need to solve problems of housing. You're going to be effective in this business if you solve people's problems, not be like, I want to buy a rental and I just can't find any. Solve people's problems and you'll probably do great in this market. So I just wanted to really put a pin in that and also connect it to the um, supply and demand
0: thing I, I recorded. Could I add something to that? Please. Because, and the other thing I absolutely love right now and everybody seems to hate is that interest rates are going up. I get, you know, I get there's all sorts of problems with that. The number one problem. Is that people cannot afford to purchase a house right now. A lot of people, especially the first time homeowners. So what happens then? The rental market demand is going up higher and higher. So the more the interest rates go up, your rental demand is going up. So it's something to closely watch. Two years ago, rental demand wasn't as high because people could purchase a home. They cannot now. And so this demand is um, or this market precisely is a perfect opportunity to purchase something that you would know to your point uh, you do want to do the research to make sure that you're going to be able to rent it for the price point that it makes sense for the investment but know that we are in an inflection point in real estate and this in when people are like oh it's a terrible time to buy like it's a great time to buy buy what other people don't want to buy, and then rent it. And um, yeah, if the numbers work out, it's excellent. It's funny, right? Because now
2: in my head, I'm virtually walking through downtown, and I already know at least two properties. that now, now I want to look at it differently. Because yeah. they've been sitting there. I you mean in your town? Time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great opportunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking the same thing here where I live.
2: <laughs> No, but now I'm going to drive there different, d- differently because those are very obvious. They've been sitting there for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should visit inside to just go to the next staff there because they're in a great location. And I think that this is something that the opportunity is always there. The opportunities are always available. We just need to be able to look at it and see like, it right and 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 especially I believe that as you were saying the competition is not there and I also think Beth that for women we're Masters on figuring out things and say oh great if it it's those three boxes over here but this is going to be a conversion once women understand that they did one conversion they they know the quote unquote, the recipe, the process, we can duplicate this much more considering the market that we're in right now. So conversion, I ha- I don't hear a lot about conversion because I think, and that might piss off some people, <laughs> people just want to get in and out and easy, easy peasy, right? But I think that once they understand that one, this is a great strategy for what's going on in the market if, as Beth said, right? You get an under market value because it's been sitting there forever. You're solving somebody's problem and you, you see the demand. You're solving a housing crisis problem. You're also resolving a crime violence problem because empty empty properties mm-hmm. are just not good for the city. So all around... But, Beth, why do you think we're not talking about this a lot?
0: Yeah, um, I think that the reason why we're not talking about it a lot is that I think that people are just wishing and hoping that everything is going to go back just the way it was before and um, that a lot of property owners have said, I just need to get through a couple of years of the pandemic. Then I'm going to be able to just uh, make, the money I made before by office or retail. The past is over. That is gone. And we have a lot of people, I think, that are holding on to that. Um, So I think that um, cities have the same problem of a lot of commercial real estate owners, and they're hoping that some solution will come. The solution they thought was going to come, I don't think is coming. Uh, the other thing that I would I loved when you said when you were thinking about your town, so what I think about towns, I do the same thing, but what I tend to do is look at who's trying to rent their property and they haven't been able to rent it for two to three years. That's who I want to buy from. I do not want to buy from somebody who's already decided they want to sell generally because uh, the. It's it's a whole other strategy. I look at it, every single rental as a possibility of a purchase. It's not that I wouldn't look at a for sale, but a for sale, and um, they're already down the path. I hear you saying you're saying folks folks that have commercial space that are trying
1: to rent it. It's not for sale, but it's vacant. That's what you're saying. Are the better ones that go after than say properties that are just on the market for sale? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes. So I look at, and like look, is super easy for people just to bounce yeah. on. You don't have to have a membership. Look what's been for rent right. for two to three years. Just look at that. How long can that person yeah. hold it vacant? Not wrong. Even though know they can't sell it vacant very well. So you come in, you've already looked at it, you've talked to the municipality, you know you're going to be able to convert it. It's the right type. You've done your homework and you say, I'm here to give you a solution. I will purchase your property from you.
2: You know, the funny thing about the two properties that I, (laughs) that I have in my head. So they're They have something that's very common. It says for sale or rent, which I think is the worst strategy ever because it's telling Just take it from me. Take it from me. There's something about this right and yeah. it's been there it's been there for the time that i've been here over here it's it's
1: it's been there so yeah i know what i <laughs> just is doing after this episode we're <laughs> <laughs> oh, going downtown oh god i um I, I i love this and i i want to ask one more one more question more technical question because we're doing a um Technical, not technical. I'm sorry. We're doing a development in um, a city, an urban urban community in Jersey, New Jersey. We've been working on it a long time, but but it's but it's happening. And I think for so many of these these conversions or new development, parking comes up a lot as a concern from the people who live around there, from the city. Just parking is like one of the most favorite conversations. And trash. Right. What's that? Parking and trash, and trash. So right. I know you shared a couple of things in prep for today couple of like do's and don'ts or just like if you were looking at an opportunity um, just to get your thoughts on parking and how do I, right. you know, because it is a it is a downtown, right? So the thinking you're not going to have this enormous lot, but it is something that comes up a lot for for people who are developing. So I'm just curious to get your thoughts, what we can do to right. mitigate those.
0: Yeah. So one or two things to think about, and this is another reason that I love the conversion of downtowns is when when you have office space, you're not necessarily always thinking about, do I have parking right there? It could be parking is a half a block away and then a simple plot. Um, so what I, I think about a lot with it is not everybody's going to have a car. Not everybody wants to have a car. Not every municipality is going to require that you have parking, this this has everything to do with your your homework. If you're working with a city or a town that said, there's no way you can put residential in without 1.5 parking spaces and you have no parking spaces, we'll figure out your solution before you purchase and start. Because that could, yeah, I mean, that you are saying it correctly, you don't want something like that to inhibit your conversion. Um, here in California, if you're within one and a half mile of public transportation, you do not have to offer parking, uh, any parking for residential um, units. That's California. I am not as familiar with every other state or county, but that's a good question to have it in advance. And our assumptions, my assumption that everybody wants to have a car, and a parking spot is completely wrong. The younger generation, fewer and fewer people are even getting driver's licenses. Mm. And this is the value proposition of these rental properties. You can live, you can work, you can be in a town. Why do you need a car? Now, if you do need a car and somehow one of the ones I'm working on right now, there's a, a municipal parking space is half a block away. We would put that as part of the rental agreement. But unless it's being mandated by the city, I do not worry about parking. And the way to get around that
1: could just be again meeting with the zoning officer or the or the economic development officer and just getting a sense of their parking kind of criteria, if you will, or their parking kind of rule. Right, I guess.
0: Right. But here's another tip. If someone says no, you have to have that argument, you can say, are you sure? Is there? Is there any exceptions? I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times people have said, you need to have a setback from the sidewalk for your front entrance. And uh, you say, well, are you sure? I see this residential two blocks away that didn't do it. Well, we gave them an exception. Okay, yes, please. I'll take that as well. So if you've got nothing else for this episode. Two questions you have to start asking is, are you sure?
1: And are there any exceptions? I love that. That's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. Um, that this has been wonderful. I Selfishly, you've gotten me and on justice just as wheels turning. I think this afternoon, instead of meeting together, right, we're going to be sourcing <laughs> some deals in our towns. But no, this has been excellent. And I think a great start because it is about solving problems and it's about taking distressed properties off of people's hands. That's what we're in the business to do. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that. I don't think Mm -hmm. they even realize that sometimes when they're struggling to make projects work well if they're making if they're not penciling out that's why those folks are not distressed enough there's not enough of a a solving of a problem so love what you've been doing for today and excited to talk further with you where can the ladies listening learn more about you and
0: connect with you further Sure. So the company that I own is called vadu v a d u. The website is my vadu m y v a d u dot com. and you can um pop in it people can pop it on that website and see uh, what we're up to, what we're doing and um, contact me. All my information is on there. I am super happy and excited to talk about this because I find it fascinating And this how i um, will talk about all the time as both of you say women are particularly good in real estate. We're exceptionally good at being able to build homes and to understand what it means to have a place to live in all different stages of life. And um, I personally have done quite well in real estate, and there's nothing more that I'd like than to help others, especially women, say, look, I can do this as well.
2: Love that, Beth. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And by the way, all that information you guys can find on our show notes. So the fu- the first question is, what's the most transformational book you
0: ever read? Um. I think that most I've read a lot, but the one that I've just read recently is um, Living Untethered by Michael Singer. And um, it's so much about living in the present moment and really living fully and not being so worried about what might happen in the future or what happened in the past, but really our power is right now, what we're choosing to do now. So I finished
2: that book and I, that's the one that I share with you in mentalist. Yeah. It's, it's funny, right? When
1: the books start coming up again and again. I know. I just, I am just like, all right, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> put this on my list. I can't get it right now because I'm reading a bunch and uh, I'm already overwhelmed, but I love that. It's great.
2: Second question is what's the most powerful routine that you do to live a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you?
0: Uh, so I think that the most powerful routine that I have is to be grateful for what I do have. And so um, that allows me to be balanced. And um, I live in a beautiful home and I have part of it is a, a rental and three women came to be at the rental and they said, what did you ever do to be able to get this place? And I thought... Gosh, I don't wake up every morning and think that. Mm. I think, uh, God, the rook needs to be replaced. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's super important to be incredibly grateful for what I have, for what we have. And um, we can't control everything or anything for that matter, but we can do our best if what we we, we do. So.
2: Awesome. Last question. Which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most?
0: Um, I think Oprah Winfrey. I happen to have been super fortunate to have met her in person about 10 years ago. And I love her story of uh, coming up from the ashes, if you will, reading, being beautiful, and giving so much for other people. Plus, she is so amazing in person. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, that's great. Beth, thank you so much for being on
1: our show. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us and our, our, our tribe and audience. So we just appreciate your time so much. So thank you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. If you
2: enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our Investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes.